Hi, good morning, Apoku. Fantastic, fantastic. We got you know baby steps. You know, just we just started doing this um, this broadcast from home, so we've got a few technical problems here and there. But you know, everybody everybody understands. By Friday, we'll be right up there. Anyway, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Apoku. It's so wonderful to be back with you on so Hospital Review Bedford. I've yeah. really missed you, and I think all our listeners and Jeff. I know Jeff was really excited in Lyndon that you were getting back on. So we've got a lot of yeah, fans fantastic. that yeah. have missed your show. But uh, yeah, now you're back with a bang. Um, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's been monitoring since <laughs> this morning. He's such a good bloke, you know. You know, he just keeps me in check and saying, "Oh, this, this, and that, this, and that. <laughs> Try this. The sound is crisp, but this and that. Yeah. A few gaps in here and there. Yeah. Uh, nobody, nobody but Jeff would do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good to have you back on the show. I think we've missed your morning show. I've been listening to the Godfather, Jeff White. Um, yeah, and I've been, I listen to him all the time. You know, he's yeah, amazing. He's been entertaining yeah. him and Sue. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, also, you know, we've missed your show. And I think you've played such an important role um, with the coronavirus update. And we've been updating people uh, for about nine weeks. So since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, the yeah. 2nd of February. So I had a show with Valma James in Hospital Radio Bedford and then we did our show the day after that. So um, yeah. Yeah, you have been really important in educating people about the coronavirus. Um, your show, Valma's, as well as Jeff's show as well. So it's been really good. Um, you know, Hospital Radio Bedford has done very well in terms of the pandemic and uh, raising awareness for people. So I think it will be Thank good you. to catch up um, I don't know what you want to start with, but I think um, it'll well, be good main, to... Main, mainly, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just looking at the screen. I'm looking yeah. at the coronavirus uh, worldometer. Yeah. And it's shot up to 2 million. Yeah. 2 million, 407 and 600. Yeah. And um, 165,083 deaths. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, like somebody said, we're always talking about the deaths and all that, but why, why don't we talk about the recovery? Mm. There's been 625,312 recovery. I think that's a good is, point um, to make, yeah. is that as much as there's people dying globally, we know that over 100,000 have died, um, over 2 million people are affected. Um, and in the UK, it's currently 16,060 uh, people that are infected. So I think, um, and I think that I did, sorry, um, and we have over a hundred, quite a lot that are infected. So I think it's good to also look at the, um, the number of people that have recovered as opposed yeah. to just the deaths, because we know that if people get the coronavirus, what we've said from the outset is that the um, mortality rate is 3.4%. So meaning not everyone that gets a coronavirus is going to die, which is an important factor for yeah. people to bear in mind. Yes, if you do get the symptoms, you can get mild symptoms, moderate or severe symptoms. Um, but there is a percentage of people and more the high-risk groups. Um, however, having said that, some people even with no underlying conditions 
have died. So it's just about us all taking precautionary measures um, and also just reducing the risk of getting it, reducing the risk of spreading it, and also um, reduce the risk of the people in the high-risk group getting it, and then eventually saving lives and preventing the number of people that are dying from it, you know, getting that num those numbers um, to go down. So in actual fact, we're trying to flatten the curve, which is what we, the World Health Organization has been urging us to do. Right, right. It's, uh, in the United Kingdom, we, we, I'm just looking at it now, yeah. we've had uh, 16,060 deaths yeah. out of 120,067 yeah. uh, total cases. Yeah. But then, um, recovery, um, to total recovered, I would say not available at the moment. I don't know okay. what, what it is like. You know, I was talking about the UK and the deaths here because um, I personally have lost, um, I've just, I've lost a cousin. Mm. Just recently uh, in the UK, and uh, you know it hits you when it's it's yours. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It hits you when it's in your family. But it seems to see a lot of people are not really taking it seriously. They think, oh man, it's gonna go away. And, you know, people are not. Um, I mean, it's a fifty-fifty thing. A lot of people are taking it serious. At the same time, some people are not. What would you say? I know, Poco, I'm really sorry. Condolences to you and your family. I know we spoke about this yesterday and, um, you know, as you said, we've been talking about it for so long, but nothing prepares you for death and especially when it's someone no, in your nothing, family. absolutely nothing. Um, and I know it's a very difficult time and also because a lot of, and especially during this pandemic, a lot of people are not able to even grieve for their loved ones or support their loved ones because we all have to be in lockdown and isolation and we can't even attend their funerals. So I can just imagine the difficulty you are going through your family. I do um, yeah. really uh, condolences to, you know, for, your, you. for your cousin and also um, to his wife and our prayers with them and also with all the lives that we've lost globally over a hundred thousand it's not easy um and i think you're right i don't think people are taking it seriously um and especially in the uk we've seen other countries um criticizing us for the way we've handled the pandemic um, yeah. I watched yesterday Piers Morgan talk on um, CNN and he spoke about Donald Trump and about um, Boris Johnson and how they felt that the UK government had let us down. And obviously there's a lot of investigations going on and it'll become clear in the weeks to come as to how the pandemic was handled. But getting to the point about people not listening, I do agree with you. I don't think there's a majority, there is a proportion of people that have listened and that have taken on board the social distancing, isolation, yeah. going into quarantine if they've traveled to high-risk places um, and people that are encouraged to work from home and socially disengaged. But then there's a proportion of people um, that haven't listened that are still going around, you know, visiting, socializing, not social distancing, not using any of the precautionary measures. I mean, you know, when we started, we were saying, you know, wash your hands for 20 seconds, use hand sanitizer, use gloves, wear a mask. 
um, if you're going anywhere or traveling in public transport or going to high-risk places or if you've got infection, use tissues, you know, burn your tissues when you use it, cover your face um, and also avoid traveling at all costs. And as we've seen from the beginning of, from the end of um January when the pandemic started, uh, we know Wuhan went into lockdown 25th of um, January and we already knew at that time that it was coming to the UK, but people were not preparing themselves. And I think you're right, some people have not been listening, but to be fair, a lot of people have listened. So I think we should focus that there are people that are listening and there are people that are taking it seriously. So, and people are, you know, if they have any symptoms, they are contacting the helpline number, which is 111. And I think globally now, all eyes are on the UK because we've got 16,060 deaths and obviously we still need to see flattening of the curve. We haven't seen that yet. Um, But I'm hoping that things will be more positive in the weeks to come. Uh, We know that lockdown um, has been said that Dominique Raab and the team have said to the government that lockdown will continue till the 7th of May. So I think everyone's adjusting to this new normal, Apoku, and it's difficult. You know, it's not that easy to tell people to stay indoors, and especially because we are social beings, we're used to going out. But for people to understand, this is an invisible enemy. It's an unseen enemy. We cannot see it. If you're fighting a war, you know who you are facing. You know how to protect yourself. You you are able to see what's coming and, and prevent deaths and reduce the risk of harm to yourself. But I think the difficulty with the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, is we can't see it. It's an invisible enemy. So how do you explain to people that and how can people get the mindset around that they have to take all these precautions and basically isolate themselves, be in lockdown, not see their loved ones, not go out? So I think it's very difficult. It's very, it's, 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 it's very difficult. You know, it's... Um um, it's very difficult. It's for example, we we had to go take something to you know some family members in my my niece and and the kids in in uh, outside Bedford in Milton Keynes, and so we just dropped it at their door and we stood by the car and she brought out the children mm. and it was so sad looking at the faces of these children. They wanted to come to us and wanted to yeah. go to them, but. For, for the sake of, you know, what is right. Because we kind of risk it so we could, but it's, it's sad. But then again, these things happen. I think we'll have to go through them and to get to a better... Now, I want to ask you a particular yeah. question. And I'm looking at the Worldometer now. And yeah. Germany, for example, has 145,742 uh, total cases with 4,642 deaths as compared to... Uh, the UK, we've got 120,067, but we've got 16,060 deaths. Now, Germany has 88,000 total recovery. Yeah. Uh, ours is not there because it's saying um, uh, not available. Yes. Why is this? What you know? They've got more than we have, you know, mm. in terms of uh, cases, but then they've got less, far less of deaths. What do you think they're doing that we, sh- we, should, we should learn from them? You know, I think a lot of countries, Boku, and you know that um, the government um, 
has been under scrutiny about the way they've handled it and the delay in actual lockdown, closure of schools and banning of travel. And also not enough testing, not enough contact tracing, um, and also not enough measures at airports in order to check people regularly, whether they've traveled from high-risk places, whether they've got a temperature, whether they are entering the country with symptoms and also the lack of quarantine. So I think um, there's a lot of factors going into play where in England, I don't think we've actually put in really, really strict measures. Um, only this morning I was speaking to a journalist, um, Smita Sakar, in Hong Kong, and she said that they've um, had extreme uh, measures at airports where they were testing people. When they went back, when they flew to, into England, they had no checks at the airport last month. But when they went back into Hong Kong, they had a wristband put on them and they were placed in quarantine for two weeks. And if they wow. left their home, they were tracked and they were we were asked not to leave their home. So I think certain countries, and she was telling me also about using masks and um, people in Hong Kong and China, where it's actually um, like the way that we, in which the people are, they will actually listen to what the government is saying and they will abide by the rules. And they also have etiquette of if they have a cold, they will wear a mask so they won't want to spread the virus or whatever they've got to someone else. So it's a norm that they take measures as staying indoors, being in lockdown, adhering to the measures, working from home. Um, so I think probably in the UK, we've not been as strict as other countries. I know people have still, were still traveling. When we spoke about the pandemic, we know that in February, people were still traveling in the half term when, um, and that's when the, the, the increase in the number of cases came about because people had traveled to places like Italy and Spain and France. Spain, where, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where we saw that these were the super spreaders. So I think England hadn't locked down early enough. We hadn't placed travel bans enough. We've not been testing enough. We also don't have enough personal protective equipment, which um, today I read the news that there's... Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, this PPE thing. Yeah. So I think the PPE is really important, Apoku, because we've seen that the number of health professionals have died. And it's not just about health professionals, Apoku. We need PPE to protect everyone. Because if we have PPE for health professionals, we know that there's a chance that if health professionals are dealing with this, if they become infected, then there's a lesser chance of them infecting their families and others around them. Because, yeah, I, sure. because personally, for myself, working in a health care, working in hospitals where we're seeing hundreds of cases. I myself put myself in quarantine. I isolated myself for my family. Even on my yeah. birthday in March, 18th of March, I was wearing a mask and I didn't have any physical hug contact or hugs from my family yeah. because I was still going into a hospital where we were seeing cases. So I think yeah. people have to have that etiquette about themselves. They have to have that moral um, you know, compass where they have to understand that this is a virus. If you are a healthcare professional, you need to take extra measures. If you're one of those essential workers, you need to take extra measures and you need to protect yourselves and your loved ones. And I think it's not just 
you know, it's so much a government can do. But at the end of the day, it's about how we are actually also, each of us have a responsibility. So we all have a responsibility to adhere to the guidelines, to abide by and adhere to the social distancing and social disengagement. And we all have a, a duty to use the protective equipment if we need to. So even if people are going shopping, um, there was a virologist on BBC Three Counties, um, Dr. Mohammed, and he said he said that going to shops is one of the high risks of getting the infections because so yeah, many people it. are touching those as well. Petrol pumps. So we all need to take precautions. If you're going out, going shopping, you need to wear a mask. You, you need to use gloves. Yes, I think there's been ambiguity and ambivalence around people wearing masks and people, some people think that um, it might be a bit too much um, and other people think that, uh, you know, that they don't need to wear a mask. Um, and they don't need to protect themselves. But as I said, it's an invisible enemy. We don't know much yeah. about yeah. this virus. We're still learning about it. We only thought the high-risk groups were getting infected and dying. But now we are seeing globally, it's not just that. We know that USA has such a high increase in the number of deaths. I think they're standing at 41,000, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, United States, let me check. Um yeah, the US are they they're on top of the league now, aren't they? Yeah. They've got forty they've got forty thousand five hundred and sixty five yeah. deaths. Yeah. yeah. And um so I think um you know, people do need to take the protective equipment. Um, Jeff White has just sent a message that he went to Tesco's Extra yesterday and um, near the Pyramid swimming pool. And he said it was well organized with even some customers that were wearing masks and gloves. So I think, and yeah. he said, social distancing was well organized and with a one-way system with only a couple of customers blocking an aisle um, due to having a conversation, but, other, but otherwise it was stopped. So I think what uh, Jeff is saying is that some people are listening. So they are using, um, you know, they're using gloves and they're using masks and people are social distancing. And the distance we know that people are supposed to keep is at least two meters. So that's been advised. So I think we, it's, it's, a, it's about us using a collective approach, a holistic approach, you know, each person taking the responsibility and, you know, washing their hands, using hand sanitizer. I probably sound like I'm repeating myself, but I think these are such simple no, measures. It, need, it needs to be repeated. Yeah, yes. It needs to be drummed into our heads that we need to yeah. use hand sanitizers and wash our hands regularly and all that. Now, I'm looking at an article here. Um, from Australia, and it says coronavirus cont contact tracing apps will be rolled out in Europe and Australia in the next uh, two to four weeks. Um, Germany's health minister, Jens Spahn, said his country's app would be ready to download in three to two weeks. How, do you know how that works? Yes, I think how I actually works? spoke about the app with um, Jeff White. The last show we had, he spoke about downloading the app um, and apparently the app actually traces your whereabouts and where you've gone to. So when you have the app, then um, you you get traced. So if you've got any symptoms and you've contacted the helpline or if you've put your details on the app, you've answered questions um, about the you know your symptoms or signs, then the app actually then traces your your all your contacts 
and they get alerted about you and um, I think contact tracing is really important and I think that's one of the things we've seen even in South Africa I don't know if you remember we spoke very early on about South Africa and how quick they went into lockdown even before us the schools closed even before us and they are only standing at just over 3,000 infections and oh, just about 50 deaths so I think they've done extremely well and they've also been contact uh, tracing and testing. So I think definitely using these measures has helped um, other countries. So I think that's why Germany is probably doing this. And I think it is available in the UK. Right. I'm just reading uh, Jeff, Jeff's uh, comment on Facebook yeah. about basing the test. I went to Martians yesterday as well. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I... I I spoke to Jeff whilst he was at Tesco. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I went to... You can't get enough yeah. of each other. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, of course not. <laughs> and uh, to, be, to be fair to Morrison's they, they, you know, it was it just like Tesco. They, yeah. they were adhering to the, you know, they had a security guard yeah. there. You hand sanitize or, yeah. you know, just um, make sure you're wearing glasses and stuff like that, going spacing and uh, and all that. That's, that is fantastic. I think the shops... These um, these people are doing really, really well. Yeah. And um, the next question I'd like to ask you: now Everybody's talking about vaccine here and yeah. trying this, this and that. What what's the story now? Where where are we? Are we getting any any closer to to getting a vaccine? I think the vaccine issue is still topical. As you know, there's no cure for the coronavirus. If someone gets the infection, you have to basically see the infection um, unfold and you have to, you know, you, people usually get better within um, 10 days to 14 days. Um, and obviously we use the same medication and treatment as if we were having a cold and flu with precautions if you've got any underlying infections we know that there are some medications available which we can talk about later but coming to the vaccine uh, so the vaccine is like how we get the flu cold and flu we usually get a flu vaccine and i think yeah. what the the world is trying to do and people worldwide they're trying to develop a vaccine and this is happening globally i know in usa a few weeks ago they already started human trials on a vaccine in washington and seattle i know in the uk um, um, the doctor, the virologist working in Lancaster, Dr. Mohammed, um, they were involved in preparing a vaccine. And he said it's, it could be likely that in the next few weeks, we would see a vaccine going to human trial. Because as you know, a vaccine will have to be tried and tested. And initially, when we started at the outset of the pandemic, Apoku, we spoke about the vaccine taking at least 12 to 18 months. So I think they're saying, you know, with maybe within six months, it might be that we have a vaccine or even in a few months. I think it's still uncertain to know unless the human trials have actually happened and it's all been successful. And then only once all this has occurred, we'd be able to have widespread distribution of the vaccine to people worldwide. So at the moment, I think we're in the process of it. People have developed vaccines. Um, however, it's still uncertain when the vaccine is going to be ready. I think some people are saying it can be soon. Some people are saying it can be a few months or can take up to a year. So it's still uncertain. 
Um, having said that, we know that um, we've got treatments available. So the same medication, Wu was involved in a solidarity trial where they were trying um, four different medications. The one is the hydrochloroquine and the chloroquine, which is the anti-malaria medication. I think you may be aware, about, aware of here. Yeah? How, how effective is that? Drug? So I think there's been a lot of studies and trials where it has been effective, but there has been a lot of side effects as well of the medication. So they've been combining hydrochloroquine with azithromycin and uh, places like Singapore, China, Hong Kong, and other places where they have used it in USA successfully um, have said that it has helped for the coronavirus. Uh, we know that the other medications is part of the solidarity trial, the Wu solidarity trial, which is um, taking into effect in two countries globally, is Remdesivir, so that's uh, the Ebola treatment. Yeah, and then we yeah. have two um, antiretroviral medications for HIV, retinivir and indinivir. So these two um, medications are um, medications which are used for um, HIV. And there's a combination of the two. Apologies for my pronunciation if I've got them incorrectly, but it's two of the antiretroviral medications um, which are used for HIV, which they say has been effective. So these are the medications which are being tried as well as there are quite a lot of other treatments. And I think People, so with the coronavirus, if we talk a bit about the symptoms, so someone knows that they've got um, coronavirus if they've got the symptoms, so they're symptomatic, or people might have the coronavirus and test positive, and they can be asymptomatic, and they can still be contagious and pass the virus on. And we know the contagious period or the incubation period for people to pass on the infection if they're symptomatic or asymptomatic is at least two weeks. So that's why contact tracing, isolation, quarantine is so important. So moving on to the symptoms, when someone gets the coronavirus, the symptoms that they can develop is the main ones that distinguishes it from um, a cold and flu is headache, a new persistent cough and a fever of more than 37.7 degrees. And these are the main symptoms which people are being told that if you develop these symptoms, you need to contact the NHS 111, you need to self-isolate and stay at home. The other symptoms people can develop is a sore throat, a runny nose, um, muscle aches and pains. They can develop GIT or gastrointestinal symptoms of um, diarrhea and vomiting. And they can also develop anosmia, which is a loss of smell. People also, when they develop more severe symptoms, can develop breathlessness, so extreme shortness of breath and difficulty in breathing. And this has happened in a lot of cases. Um, and as a result, what the complications are with coronavirus is that it, it causes fibrosis in the lung. So the coronavirus actually attaches itself and replicates itself. So that's why it's a corona RNA virus. And that's how it acts. And that is why it attacks the lung and then it develops fibrosis, pneumonia, which is invisible on an X-ray. Um, and therefore, that's how uh, the complications occur where people end up going into respiratory failure, um, respiratory distress, multi-organ failure, and they can then develop um, death. They can actually die because of it. Um, so that's why the mo most extreme forms of 
um, this the, the, the coronavirus where people get the infection and they can't manage at home when they develop symptoms of breathlessness or they, they notice changes in their breathing and they have difficulty or chest pains and also they can't um, eat and drink, especially with young children. When they develop these type of symptoms and um, the cough that doesn't go away and fever that just doesn't go away, then sometimes they develop the complications where they need to go into hospital. So that's when people are contacting the 111 number, the NHS number, going into hospital. And in these cases, as you know, they end up getting treatment in hospital and some of the cases end up going into ICU and then going on a ventilator. As you know, Boris Johnson had tested positive. He went into hospital because he had some severe symptoms and he was then got then went into ICU for a few days and then discharged home. Um, so as you know, the, the progression of the illness can vary from person to person. It depends on the age, it depends on um, you know, I think they're saying males are more yeah, the immune system. Yes, exactly. So the immune system is important. Um, and also it can depend. They're saying males are at higher risk of developing severe symptoms um, and more severe form of the illness. And um, also people with underlying risk factors. So as you said, immunosuppression. So people with HIV, anyone on methotrexate or any medication that reduces the immunity like steroids. Yes, people who've had um, transplants um, and splenectomies, people with bone cancers and cancer, pregnant women, people with infections um, and underlying illnesses like lung illnesses like uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, um, asthma, bronchiectasis, and cystic fibrosis, people with diabetes mellitus, with heart conditions like cardiomyopathy and hypertension, um, people with learning disability and genetic disorders, neurological disorders like motor neuron disease. Um, so there's a wide range of people. So And these people have been advised from the outset that they need to shield for 12 weeks. And anyone over the age of 60, 70 or 80 have also been advised to stay at home because I think the complications of this illness would be worse with these people who have these conditions as well as lower immunity. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Sessioni, for talking to us today. But if you, uh, if we can get you every morning, yes, that would sure. Be nice. Yes, that, that would be, nice be great. An update there so that yeah. you know, um, um, after maybe since now I know we don't get the seven o'clock news, we can start. Yeah, I think yeah. just to say that uh, people need to remain positive. Um, they yeah. need to, um, you know, just adhere to the guidelines and build the immunity. We can talk about boosting immunity um, tomorrow if you want. And uh, just to say, one of the ladies, um, Jean Bishop, asked about an appointment. Her daughter has an appointment of, at the ophthalmology department. Uh, 29th of April in Addenbrooke's um, and she wanted to know whether that be cancelled. I think it's best, uh, Jean, if you're listening, you can contact um, your the hospital Addenbrooke's number and actually ask them about the appointment and they would advise you further. I think all non-urgent appointments would be cancelled 
um, and only people who are urgent need of outpatient appointments or um, treatment would be allowed to go to hospital. So I think if it's non-urgent, then speak to the hospital and see whether you can get it rearranged. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, and Jean, um, I hope that uh, that answers your question. Um, thank you very much, Dr. Sessioni. Thank you, Poco, for having me. And I'll chat to you tomorrow and with the update. Safe. Yes. <laughs> We all need to just remain need positive. I know it's uh, Ferdinand and my anniversary, so I just wanted to say uh, happy anniversary. Today? Yes, today, and it's his birthday tomorrow. Oh um, so Ferdinand's oh. birthday tomorrow on the Queen's birthday, mm. and today wow. is our wedding anniversary. Um, so oh I just God. want to say happy anniversary to him and uh, just thank you for and everything. Yes. Well, happy anniversary to, <laughs> to you, uh, Sashni, and your uh, husband, um, Ferdinand. And uh, we pray that you, you have many more anniversaries. Thanks. You know. He was just pointing yeah. out that we're having our anniversary in lockdown. And I think it's a lot for everyone, you know, please, having celebrations, birthdays in lockdown, you know. Yeah. So, and, you know, people having to go through difficult situations as well in lockdown. So, thank well, you very I much will, for your wishes. You're welcome. The, the next song I'm going to play is for you and Ferdinand. Oh, thank you and, so much, so that, That's your anniversary song. And uh, I'll call you later after the show. Yes. Have a fantastic day. And thank you so much. to everybody, to the children and uh, your husband. And we'll see you tomorrow. Yes, see you tomorrow, bright and early. Right. Thank you. Bless you. Yes, Bless bye. You. bye. Bye. Bye.